Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring vision into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Jeremy Stevenson. Jeremy is an experienced entrepreneur and business consultant with 20 plus years of experience. He founded iBridge Global Partners to help B2B family business owners build profitable, high value businesses and create ideal succession plans. He co-founded a startup that grew to $1 billion in revenue and sold it to Nationwide. He's consulted with companies of all sizes. In his spare time, Jeremy enjoys cars, specifically Porsches, he's just informed me, bourbon, golf, <laughs> helping military veterans transition out, and advocating for animal welfare. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the, <laughs> appreciate the introduction. Well, Jeremy, I am so excited that you're here. I want to start our time together by talking to you about being a visionary, you know, somebody who co-founds a startup that grows to a hundred billion or a billion in revenue, sorry, yeah. and then sells it to Nationwide, you've got to be a visionary. You've got to have had vision or you've got to be a leader of visionaries. So tell me a little bit about your own experience of either being a visionary yourself or leading visionaries or both. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have I have led visionaries, I guess, from an entrepreneurship perspective. So I've helped a couple of startups get, you know, funded, stood them up essentially from a fr like a fractional chief operating officer perspective and, and set them on their way. So, I mean, it's always interesting to work with entrepreneurs in terms of, I guess, being involved in it directly. You know, it's good to have partners because I think ideas usually come to fruition when you have partnerships that can explore areas that we usually have, you know, blind spots, basically. And it's just, it's, it's a better collaborative environment, actually, to figure out where you want to go and what you want to create. So, I mean, perspective-wise, yes, I was part of a big startup. And, and yeah, it was literally a kind of a back of the napkin idea when I got involved. And you take it from there, essentially, and try to design a business plan in a lot of different ways. We had some connections. So, you know, we went out there and started raising some capital and pitching, I guess you could say pitching some ideas and raising some capital. And inevitably, yeah, we raised a lot of money so we could actually fund the business growth perspective. And we did get lucky because you can never totally predict how a company is going to go. Made a lot of mistakes along the way. Certainly have a lot of scars and scuffs on my arm still. But, you know, how do you how do you build a company in the matter of, I don't know, eight years or something like that to, you know, a billion dollars in sales? Well, I can tell you, it's a lot of work. I mean, I've slept at the office more than once. And I had before that actually in consulting days. But yeah, I mean, you know, how do you figure out the blind spot, figure out the blind spot in the market, essentially, because all businesses are created for two reasons, pretty much. One of them is somebody has a passion for something and they want to explore it. And the other one is they see a problem and they have a solution. You know, it's it's really binary in that particular instance. And in that particular case, we saw a blind spot in the market. 
And, you know, we exploited it, I guess you could say. And and we were all pretty savvy in the financial services area at that particular point, just through a variety of different reasons. And so, you know, we put together an idea that was very good for the end customers, essentially, because there's a lot of different customers and a lot of different people out there, for our clients anyway, that needed to utilize or could utilize non-qualified products. In other words, products that were outside of 401k plans and things like that to put money into and still gain tax deferral. And that was the main objective. And, you know, our target audience was registered investment advisor offices and broker dealers. And that's inevitably, that was a learn, of course. I mean, that wasn't something that we just said, oh, by the way, this is what it is. You know, everything is. We went into some markets and spent a lot of money to get into some markets because we thought it was just going to be a waterfall of clients and contributions and cash. And, you know, you end up making a lot of mistakes. And that's literally what an entrepreneurship journey looks like. Tell you the truth. I mean, my definition of an entrepreneur is somebody that likes to get punched in the face, knocked down, gets back up and says, please have some more. Thank you very much. Because that's what's going to happen. There's no two ways about it. Building a company is no fun. I mean, it's glamorized in today's world. Mm. You know, lots of entrepreneurship books and, and videos and everything like that. But the overnight success has been around for nine years and 354 days. You just heard about it because they gained enough traction traditionally. And, you know, that's what I tell a lot of businesses. I mean, I've been on investment panels and I'm still involved in some of those in terms of teaching people how to pitch uh, and how to design pitch decks and you know, advising different startups. And I don't work in that space, but I just, I do that on occasion, essentially, because I encounter people and they have great ideas or whatever. And, you know, I guess now I'd focus more on mature businesses, family businesses, B2B specifically. But I mean, all of them are entrepreneurs at some point. They created an idea or sure. they had an idea and they created a business. So, you know, what does that look like? Inevitably, a lot of the conversations now from an iBridge perspective center around what's that succession? What's your exit plan look like? Because the earlier you figure that out in any entrepreneurship journey, the better off your life's going to be because it's going to impact whatever you plan to do with it. If you plan to sell the business, turn it, you know, sell it to a strategic, sell it to a private equity fund, or you're going to turn it into a generational business and pass it down, that's going to impact your decisions along the way and how you structure the business. It's a hot button these days because there's a lot of, I assume, baby boomers out there transitioning and things like that are going to be transitioning. But, you know, it is a journey. And I always yeah. tell my clients that, I mean, this isn't something that you're going to do in a year. And if you're thinking that's the case, then that's fine. But I always say the analogy I'll use is basically you can sell a foreclosure or you can sell a turnkey property. Which one do you think you're going to get more money for? Exactly. And it takes a heck of a lot more time to figure out how to grow a business and structure it properly, get the owner from an operator to an overseer yeah, so that they can find their next passion, design a succession roadmap, develop the next gen talent or prepare it for exit. So a sale perspective. But anyway, yeah, the entrepreneurship journey is Has it is fun. glamorized. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it it's is glamorous. fun. There's a lot of learnings. Yeah, I want to I want to actually ask you about the leading part, Jeremy. I want to I want to go slow you down just a little bit because okay. part of, you know, part of being the kind of person that you are is you're in a leadership role where you're leading other visionaries. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit more about you and find out like where were you when you came aware of your own leadership qualities? Were you the kid on the playground that everybody yeah. was, you know, you were whipping everybody into shape and moving them forward? Or did the leadership stuff come later? No, actually, it was earlier in life. Yeah, you're right in terms of that. So, yeah, I, I guess it was born in. I don't know exactly. But, yeah, I don't know about playgrounds, but in terms of like I was a Boy Scout. And, yes, I was the one that was, you know, if there was something, you know, we had to chop wood up or something like that. I don't know exactly what the scenarios were, but. 
yeah, usually you're the one that's kind of orchestrating the scenario. And I just naturally took over. Now, my parents did have a couple of family businesses, and I ran those when I was in college. Uh, and that was after working for some department stores and everything like that. And, you know, I mean, that was, you know, they were smaller companies. One of them was a restaurant. The other one was a payroll company. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a natural fit to figure out, you know, you get in there and try to figure out what's the strategy, what's the direction, what are we trying to achieve, and then to design the tactics and to get there. And that is kind of the natural spot that I fit into a lot of times. And one of the things that, you know, you've already talked about, you talked about pitching and and enrolling people in the vision, right? You have to use enrollment as part of, you know, like that's got to be the muscle that mm-hmm. you have well exercised as a leading visionary. So I'd love to have you talk about your path to learning how to enroll, to enroll investors, to finance vision, to enroll team members, to build the vision, to enroll the clientele, to come in and do business with the businesses. Can we talk a little bit about your journey with enrollment and what might you say to our listeners were maybe your biggest challenges or your top secret hacks? (laughs) I don't know if there's a secret hack involved there, but yeah, you know, to be any type of leader, you have to get people to follow you. You have to sell people on whatever the story, whatever the initiative. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a project or a company or trying to get money from them or whatever it is. It always comes down to being able to sell a vision. How do you do that? It's through storytelling for the most part. It's also through confidence And it's through listening a lot of times, too. I mean, I've always been a big fan of hiring people smarter than me. I want to be the dumbest person in any room that I'm in because that's the only way you can grow. And, you know, I'm also a big fan of being the quietest person in a meeting. I know that's kind of surprising, but yeah, absolutely. The person that listens the most is, you know, eventually you have to actually speak up and make the decision. But you pay other people or you engage other people to be able to dig into certain details along the way. And then you can formulate an idea with a cohesive strategy to go forward after you've listened to everybody. But yeah, I mean, how do you sell people on a vision, essentially? It's usually just by having a convincing vision, essentially, and having a leadership skill. I don't know if you could put your finger on that, actually, in terms of that. I mean, a lot of it is basically confidence, I guess, vision, and then the ability to actually create a cohesive strategy to get there. And and, and that's part of vision, I assume. Mm, yeah, well, so I'll use myself as an example. When I was in the real estate business, I was the one that sold the first 10 units of our 51 single family houses, 56 apartments and office building project. And I sold that from dirt piles, literally dirt piles and drawings, right? And then they replaced me with the fully built out model and for salespeople. So I think there's a difference between selling vision and selling something that's already in existence. And so, yeah, absolutely. You have to be able to paint the picture of something that's not there yet for the most part. I mean, a lot of companies depend on, yeah, even when you walk into an existing company, I mean, certainly nowadays from an iBridge perspective, you know, I mean, if I'm walking in there, they have a challenge because that's why they've been on the phone with me. And that's why I'm there in the first place. But, you know, you do an analysis, you'd have some discussions, you figure out what the current assessment is of the scenario. And then you start to figure out where they want to take it because everything comes back to what clarity of goals, basically. It's not a sexy terminology, but it is what it is. You have to figure out where you want to take the business. It's the same thing for creating the startup, same thing that we did when we created a business plan. And it's not going to be etched in stone. You're going to put it in pencil because you're going to have to need an eraser along the way. Every company does. And it's the same for us in life, too, I doubt. But, you know, we're going to pivot and have off ramps and everything else along the way. But you have to know exactly or not exactly, but you have to have an idea of where you want to go before you can figure out how to get there. 
Yeah, beautiful. All right, Jeremy, we're going to take a quick break. And um, when we come back, we're going to let people know a little bit more about iBridge Global and where to find you. But right now, listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at www.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. If you're interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground, you can apply to qualify for a complimentary consultation with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the website. Be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Lexington, Kentucky. And we'll be <laughs> right back with Jeremy Stevenson. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently? who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world, who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity. Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable that it will come to pass. Your word is your wand. And as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Jeremy Stevenson. You can actually find out more about Jeremy at ibridgeglobalpartners.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So before we went to the break, Jeremy, we were talking about selling vision. Now we're on the backside of the, our, our interview here. I want to talk about selling a fully fledged vision, right? So you sold to Nationwide your startup. And now you are working with family business owners through iBridge to help them understand what needs to be in place in advance to pass on their business to either the next buyer or to their family members. So let's talk about selling a fully fledged business. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that is part of it. I mean, the two scenarios that usually get me involved is a business that's kind of plateaued from their growth perspective, and they're trying to get to that next level of success. And it's usually because they need to evolve the business. I mean, it takes a different business to get from 50 to 100 million or whatever it is. And that's usually where the unbiased viewpoint from my perspective comes into play, because there's a little bit of experience, a little bit of education, but a lot of it's just being able to see the forest through the trees. And so how do you step in there and have some discussions? Again, create clarity of where you, around where you want to take the business, pull it back to the non-sexy stuff and say, what are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to position it for a exit to other, you know, other buyers? Are we trying to position it for an internal transfer? You know, from a family business perspective, I can tell you the vast majority of individuals certainly initially want to pass it on to their next gen leadership. But, you know, then you ask the question of 
have they actually told that next gen leadership they're going to get the business? And, and the question, the answer is usually not so much, or at least not in plain and simple terms. And of course, you get into the discussion of have you done anything to develop them and whatever. So the discussion flourishes from there. And I can tell you the second pillar in my five-step process is basically working with other professionals in the area because you know a financial advisor or somebody else that needs to be plugged into the engagement, also an estate and trust attorney, because you got to get the legal wrapped up. Otherwise, there's no point in working on the business. And they are just owners of businesses. I don't care if it's a half a billion dollar business, 500 million in revenue. They're just like us. They don't deal with the end of life documents or any of those legal documents most of the time until the person next to them falls down dead on the golf course. And then the next phone call is to the lawyer. So you've got to get that stuff wrapped up in a good order, basically, and then you can get to work for the business. And, and the business itself is tearing it apart, basically, from a structure, strategy, tech, systems, process standpoint, figuring out where the weak links are, rebuilding it or addressing those and then rebuilding it, figuring out where the near-term growth opportunities are. And that's usually, you know, organically, it's new products, new prices, exploring the customer base they already have and trying to figure out if there's needs that aren't being met in those areas. The Pareto principle, 20% of the clients actually pull 80% of the revenue. And unfortunately that, that, you know, all this stuff kind of falls through the cracks when you're dealing with the daily fires of running a business, but long story short, you do that. And then you start to basically put in the the succession or exit roadmap of a business. So, I mean, this is over a period of years. This is not a quick and simple term. Of course, the longer, the better, especially when you get into trying to transition it to next gen leadership, but, you know, then you start to also work the owner from an operator to an overseer so you can start to step them out of the business and they can find their next chapter or next passion. I don't care if it's dog walking or whatever, but nine times out of 10, thinking that you're going to get a big check in your back, back pocket or whatever, and you're going to go off and play golf or travel around the world. Call me in three months and tell me how that works out. Right. It's, it's usually not a pretty picture. So, you know, at the same time, you need to get out of the way for next generation leadership when and if that transition happens, because if you don't, then you've got two individuals that are trying to run the company. One of them wants to one with post-it notes, the other one with iPhones. That's a problem scenario just waiting to happen. I've seen it too many times. The business usually suffers, culture suffers, all this good stuff suffers. Yeah. But, you know, it, it literally comes down to just creating clarity for the business from a succession standpoint, because, you know, you can think about when you're in a privately held or a family business. And, it, you know, the leadership starts to age. Well, who's going to take it over? The employees start to wonder, of course, and if they're wondering if they're going to have a job in two days, because they know what it's probably going to be like if they sell it to a private equity firm. You know, usually that's that's a different model. So, I mean, to create continuity of all that institutional knowledge that they have. And a lot of that is flushed out in my process, basically, because you need to create systems and processes, which a lot of family or privately held businesses don't have. But how do you sell a cohesive package is actually what you were looking at or talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, it and, really and, is this. And, and also deciding, deciding. Like in your yeah. case, you had to make the decision. You and your yeah. partner, you know, who, your co-founders had to, it starts with making the decision, right? So what was it that inspired you and your, your co-founders to sell instead of do pass it along? Yeah, and that was the idea all along, basically. It was build it to sell because we planned on getting acquired by a strategic partner. So, I mean, that's, that's so the way it was built that out. Way. Right. Yes, it absolutely it was. was. I mean, we weren't going to have, you know, eight different people's families involved in the business and everything like that. And, you know, some businesses are built for longevity and some are not. And I mean, you know, at that time when we initiated that, there was nobody else in our space. And, you know, now it's not necessarily a crowded market, but there's others that have kept up. 
I mean, you know, to, to nation's wide point, essentially, they could have built what we had, or they could have bought what we had and, you know, had it on day two. And that's obviously they chose the latter. Right. So, I mean, it, you know, do you have a product, do you have a service? And most companies don't, that is totally unique, that nobody else can reproduce, or at least it's very difficult from a barrier of entry to reproduce. Or is it just based on relationships? And that's really how you package a business for sale, essentially, is making an attractive, sellable asset. And, and there's a lot of other things that go into it. But I mean, and that's it, what a buyer's going to look for. Is your preference, Jeremy, to work with companies that are going to do succession to the next generation? Or do you prefer to work with companies that have come to the understanding that they need to sell? The vast majority of the business I work for are actually doing succession planning to the next generation. Right. But I can tell you the journey is very similar and I really don't have a dog in the fight. The way that I usually approach that is say I prepare companies for a transition or a transaction. The journey is essentially the same. I mean, there's some different nuances, but there's a lot of commonalities. And it's all about, I mean, from an exit perspective, you're creating a sellable asset that's attractive to buyers with a leadership team that can retain, that can remain in place. Right. And, you know, you mentioned that you had a five-step process. I'm curious about that five-step process, number one. And number two, I'm kind of curious as well if there's a part of that process, a part of that journey where you consistently see is the challenge. Like you mentioned the post-it note versus the iPhone challenge. I'll tell you, the the, uh, the biggest challenge is one, getting owners started on this journey to start planning. Two, actually getting them to step back and realize there's more to life than the business that they've either created or they took over from previous generations. You know, serial entrepreneurs know how to do what I do, basically creating value, creating an asset, because essentially, a lot of times I'm just creating a wealth generating asset that could be used, utilized in different ways. I mean, I get, you know, asked the question in a couple of different presentations that I did ago. You know, I've got a family business that's very successful. I don't have any children, or I have children that don't want the business. They're either doctors or other things, you know, but I don't want to sell it. So, what do I do? And my answer to that is usually there's a lot of things you can do. But I mean, the most obvious is basically creating a board, put family members, non families members on there. Put an in, install a leadership team, lock them down with a financial service product, usually phantom stock or something like that. And then, the, you know, basically that keeps the children or the siblings out of the business on a daily basis. They continue the life and the passions they want, but it keeps the business in the family and it, conti- it basically creates a wealth generating asset as long as it's run appropriate. And that's what bigger enterprises generally do. I mean, they can get more complicated. And certainly from that discussion, that's pretty simplistic. But yeah, those are the two biggest challenges. It's basically getting somebody started from an ownership or getting an owner started in this journey. And the other side of it is actually getting them to step away. Right. And so when you face the getting them to step away part where you (laughs) mentioned, you know, it's time for your next chapter. How do you help your leaders get off the dime? How do you help your your owners get off the dime? That happens early on in the process, basically, because, I mean, once you start talking about and and forcing the discussion, because, I mean, you know, obviously, again, the two things that usually get me involved is we plateau. We want to get to that next level of success. So we need help because we just can't figure it out. Or I've lifted my head up. I'm going to have to transition this business. I want to exit this business, whatever. But I don't know how to create a sellable asset, maximize the value, blah, blah. Well, you know, if you step in there and start having discussions about where do you want to take this business, essentially, what does that picture need to look like from, you know, just like a road trip? Where do you want to go? Okay, well, once you figure out that, we can figure out how to get there. And that's usually kind of the first step of acknowledgement to say, why are we talking about this? I was talking about growth or, you know, this. It's like, well, that's fine, but this is going to impact all the decisions. And I get it. I mean, everybody should plan like that when you start a business. But 
most of us don't because you're too busy trying to grow a business. I mean, the typical journey of a business is I have an idea and then it's growth, 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 and I'll figure the rest of the crap out later. And you never figure the rest of the crap out later. <laughs> what it should look like is vision, growth, succession, legacy. But, you know, again, not everything's perfect in a real world. But yeah, when you start off early talking about where you're going to lead the business to, what do you want, or I should say where they want to lead the business to, what's it going to look like, and then start making decisions from there. And honestly, it's, I mean, the path is charted essentially, and they can see it and you start to create structure of this is when you're going to start stepping away because of this reason, either we're teeing up next gen leadership, or we're actually beefing up your internal leadership team for a sale to another company, because you're not going to retain and you're not going to stay behind in the business, most likely. So we need to create a sellable asset in that case. And basically, it's 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 kind of structured that way that this is the date. This is what we're going to do leading up to that. This is the purpose of why you're going to step away. And once you create that kind of structure, it's a lot easier discussion to have. I'm mean, not saying there's not a little bit of, of putting your foot on somebody's rear end sometimes. That happens, of course. But, you know, again, it's it's kind of been a prepped conversation. It's not coming out of the blue like, oh, by the way, you need to step left. No. Beautiful. Well, we have a couple minutes left. So in the last couple of minutes, I'd love to have you share for those listeners who are in our audience who may need the kick in the butt to hire somebody like you. Like, I'd like you to just call them forth and and tell them why, sell them why, why they ought to be in touch with you right now. Accountability, usually, like I said, it's accountability and the unbiased viewpoint, tell you the truth. So, I mean, unfortunately, the train has left the station if you've created a business, family business, otherwise, probably. I mean, that's just the way it happens. So you're either going to get out of it through bankruptcy, death or transaction or transference. I mean, it's one of the four ways it's going to happen. And hopefully it's not the first two. So, you know, I always suggest that there's more to life than just business. I mean, once you've successfully created a business and scaled it or you're on the verge of scaling it, you need help with scaling it. Having somebody with an unbiased viewpoint to step in there and kind of be the council that can get their fingers dirty and design that roadmap along with you. I mean, it's their business. It's not mine, essentially. I'm just trying to help them paint the picture, essentially, and get them to that point faster. Because just like anything else, I mean, you pay somebody to change your oil or whatever the old adage because they've done it 35,000 times. Well, I mean, I've done this a few times. And being able to step into a business and kind of clarify where they want to take it, be able to grow the business, tear it apart, find the weak links, because I don't have any dogs in any fight, essentially. I don't have any biases. I'm not worried about retaining teams or anything like that. It's more or less, what do we need to do to achieve the objective? All right, it's pretty clear cut. We can draw a map and a linear line from here to there. And that's, you know, that's generally the way I approach it. But, you know, do you want a more successful business? Do you want to reduce your risk, diversify your assets? And then obviously create a succession plan that's going to create clarity for yourself, your business and your family, basically to ensure your legacy is protected and that your family is secure for X amount of days, years, whatever it is. Then, you know, let's talk. Absolutely. And let's get those owners liberated to enjoy their Porsches bourbon golf, helping military (laughs) veterans transition out, advocating for animal welfare fishing for sailfish, traveling around the world, whatever else it is that will allow them to liberate themselves from focusing 100% on the business. All right, Jeremy, well, it was a pleasure to spend time with you today. Listeners, we love feedback. Please do let us know what you thought of today's show by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting guest suggestions. You can weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at www.leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social. Look for the handle at Leading Visionaries Podcast on all the major platforms. 
Thanks for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.